Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Mark Dondero on WEEI. On WEEI. All right, welcome into the show. Mark Dondero with you on WEEI until 6 p.m. And we have been blessed on this New Year's Eve Eve with some breaking news. Justin Turpin alongside. JT, how are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Mark. Happy Thank to be working with you again. It's good to be back with you. Um, breaking news. Probably about, what was it, 45 minutes ago. Chris Sale has been traded from the Boston Red Sox to the Atlanta Braves. And I'm going to just say... There's a few different directions that I want to go and things I want to say regarding this trade and where we are. And it's good to know that somebody is alive and awake in the Red Sox offices. So that's positive. Um, You know, first thing I'll say, the first thing I'm going to say is positive because I like this trade. Okay, why do I like this trade? I like this trade because, number one, um, Chris Sale's time here had run its course. And we can talk about Chris Sale's legacy here in a little bit if you want or go over what was going on or what he offered the organization during the course of his time here. I know he was a part of a World Series championship. But I like this trade. And the main reason I like this trade and why I want to start with this is because this is, in fairness, something I've been sort of pining for them to do dating back to, obviously, High and Bloom. Now, you have to make it, you know, you have to execute. It has to work out or else it's not going to matter. But in order to take... You know, in order for that to happen, you have to take the chance and give it a shot. And that's what the Red Sox are doing here. And what I mean is, this to me is the type of move that some of these teams that have won World Series, have been in the World Series, are true contenders, have made. Okay, that's that's all I'm saying. And I I think based on that, that could be a very good thing for the Boston Red Sox. Now, again, you have to see it out. You have to see it play, you know, to the point where it becomes a massive success, and that's the hardest part. Okay, but I just think that this was the first step if the Red Sox wanted to try to piece it back together and to get back to a place where, you know, this whole fan base, this whole region expects them to be. And I'm not saying what they did here has been the trend of winners of late. However, you know, you could make the argument that it has. Okay? They traded Chris Sale for, what was this player's name? Vaughn Grissom. Now, what do I know about Vaughn Grissom? Not much. Doesn't have much of, you know, doesn't have tons of experience in Major League Baseball. 
Obviously, it's a prospect that they looked into and that they were intrigued by. But I'm just saying this is the type of move that the Houston Astros have made, that the Tampa Bay Rays have made, that the World Series champion Texas Rangers have made. Okay, and what I mean is Adolis Garcia, okay, for the Rangers, did not come up in the Rangers organization. He was a Cardinals draft pick or a Cardinals signee, and then the Rangers acquired him from St. Louis. Obviously, he played a key role in their run of the World Series. He got hurt in the World Series, but he was still, you know, an impactful player in the World Series despite getting hurt. And I don't know, did he win the NLS, NLCS MVP? ALCS MVP? Yeah, ALCS MVP. Huge part of their run to the World Series. A guy that they got younger. I guess he wasn't that much younger, but he wasn't a part of the organization. They acquired him after he sort of cut his teeth in another organization. St. Louis Cardinals, 2018. Texas Rangers, 2020. Here's another one. Jordan Alvarez, Houston Astros. Now, again, I don't know what Vaughn Grissom's going to end up like. Jordan Alvarez in the, in the Dodgers organization. They make a trade. They need bullpen help. The Dodgers trade him to the Astros before he was an established Major League player, obviously. And he blossoms with the Astros, becomes a big part of their last World Series. You know, Poppy Jr. And he was, you know, a huge thump in the middle of that lineup. Give you another one. Randy Rosarena, Tampa. Originally of the St. Louis Cardinals. Tampa identifies him. They pluck him from St. Louis. He goes to Tampa. He becomes a huge part of what they're doing there. I've been saying the Red Sox need to need to find guys like that. Identify guys like that. I actually thought Alex Verdugo was a decent attempt at that. Now, I wouldn't have wanted to trade Mookie Betts for him. But that was at least an attempt of a guy, at a guy that hadn't done much with the team that signed him or drafted him, but then you get him, you give him a real chance at the major league level, and he flourishes. I don't know if Vaughn Grissom's going to do that, but based on who they gave up, Chris Sale's time had run out. It was just at the point where you needed to do something else. And that's all. You had to do something else. He had done everything he could, and don't get me wrong, you know, I have respect for Chris Sale. I appreciated his his attitude and his approach. He always said the right things. Um, and in in fairness, because he always said the right things, you know, I don't know who I have looking back now that they're both ex Red Sox, more of an appreciation for Chris Sale or David Price, because Chris Sale always said all the right things, but never came through to the level that David Price ultimately came through for this team, even though David Price was a pain in the ass to have here all the, all that time. And he was just an annoyance. There were things that he said that it were inflammatory things, clubhouse things. I don't know if it affected his teammates as much, but just things in and around the organization and the way his attitude was, was taken in by everybody in the, in the region just didn't fit, didn't jive, and it, it didn't work out. Sale didn't produce to the level that Price did, and Price went out on the highest of highs. So I just think this is going to be a net positive for the Red Sox. You needed to, and I say this respectfully, but sort of rid yourself of the stank of Chris Sale. And I just mean he hadn't played. He was always injured. It was a part of the culture. You always thought you could. Now we know we can't rely on Chris Sale. He's not going to be the number one. He's not going to be able to be on the field for you. He's out. He's gone. 
Okay. I'm just saying it's time to move on. And that's what the Red Sox did. And it's you might as well find a guy that can start fresh here. And if you're gonna get rid of sale, you know, they still need pitching. But at least it's a guy that is a young player that could come up and have an impact. Again, I don't know what Vaughn Grissom is going to show us. But, hey, here's another thing I thought was interesting. So I wasn't all that excited about the um, Lucas Giolito signing. But I will say that I thought this was an interesting thing. Lucas Giolito... Um, according to Alex Spear of the Boston Globe, what did he write? Quote from Alex Spear, Boston Globe. On Friday evening in the first multi-year deal of the new chief baseball officer Craig Breslow's Boston tenure, Cora and the Red Sox got one of the more reliable providers of innings in baseball. Close quote. One of the more reliable providers of innings. Now, if that doesn't get you hot and bothered, I don't know what will. But, you know, I just think it's fascinating that they, in one day, in one breath, get one of the biggest, I guess, inning eaters in baseball. And then on the next day, they rid themselves of a guy that could never stay on the field. So if you want to, if you want to view that as a net positive overall, I'm for that. That, that could be something. Um, obviously, there was a lot going on with Lucas Giolito. He did not have a good end of the year last year. His last couple years, as you know, have not been prosperous. And this isn't 2019 anymore, and I'm not really looking for you know guys that were good five, seven years ago. That's not cool. So we'll see what happens. But he has been able to to pitch. He has been able to eat the innings, and you know Chris Sale's not on the mound enough. So in that vein, I like it. But I just don't know if ultimately it's going to play out. But at least they're active. At least. They're doing things that I've been asking them to do for a while now, and we'll see what happens with this prospect in terms of how he could maybe contribute to the Boston Red Sox as we go forward. That's what I know. In terms of the Red Sox overall, I mean, finally, get up and make a move. They're doing that. I don't know how fast and furious, full throttle, are we going to get to that point? This doesn't feel full throttle to me, but it's something. You're at least in the car. Um, So... We'll see where it goes. I mean, it's a bummer that Chris Sale didn't work out here. It's a bummer. His legacy here is complicated. Um, You know, he does have that image, and I'm a visuals guy. You know, what are your visuals, you know, in terms of your legacy? And we were talking about Rodney Harrison throughout the course of the last week, and he has some really vivid visuals and memories that should help his Hall of Fame candidacy. Sale has the thing where he was on the mound at the end of the game to clinch the World Series. That's about it, though. I know he was pretty good. I know he was good in his first few, you know, first tenure here, first, not tenure, first couple years. But it just fizzled out so fast and hard, and he never could get it back together, and he was always injury play. It just, it was a disappointment overall. I'm not going to say it was a negative legacy. Um, I don't think this was Carl Crawford, obviously. But it just didn't get to the point where, you know, he was able to get onto the field long enough to sustain any kind of success at the level that the Red Sox had hoped. I think in Atlanta, they're in a position to really take a chance. They have the pitching. They've been able to cultivate pitching. 
You know, and they could use Chris Sale in a myriad of ways. They could use him out of the bullpen. They could use him as a long reliever. They could use him in just stay healthy, manage his innings, and not have too much expectation on Chris Sale. Atlanta has been, um, you know, in the World Series. They've won the World Series. They've been in the playoffs. The culture is winning now, not what the Red Sox culture is, where they're just trying to save face 90% of the time. I think that Chris Sale's in a good spot. I like the deal for both teams. Um, but I think it was an important step in the process um, to move on from a guy like that that's been here a while and that has not been part of the solution in recent years. In large part because of health, but ultimately you got to get it done on the field and he just hasn't been able to do that. He said the right things. He tried to lead, um, but they need to find another way to go about finding a number one starter and this will be... Um, nobody can rely on him now. So that was a good thing. I think overall this was a good thing for the Red Sox. I like this move by Craig Breslow. And the other reason why I like it is, you know, it showed a little bit. It took a little bit of uh, gumption to do it, which is what this team needs. The guy that is running the organization needs that. I mean, I'm trying to think back to High and Bloom. What deal did he make that had any edge to it? You know, I'm sure he made some, and I can't think of it. But the, even trading Verdugo, that was a little bit of this. And then you trade Chris Sale, a guy that's been here, enough is enough. He can't stay healthy. Get him out. Thank you, Craig. That's exactly the type of attitude and mentality that I'm looking for from him. Conviction. Don't waste any time. Not here to be friends with people. I know that sounds harsh, but it's you got to get the people in here that are going to be able to produce and be out there and do things that you need to, to get back to where you want to be. And it just hasn't happened for a guy like Sale. So I'm for this, and it'll be interesting to see if this is the start. Is it the start? I mean, if it's not the start, what are we doing? I'm assuming this is the start or the beginning of something bigger that when it all comes together, I'm going to be able to say, ah, that's the plan, the P word. What is the plan? They haven't really had a, a bona fide plan. I never knew what High and Bloom's plan was. That's for damn sure. I mean, he never came off the dance. He never came off the wall to go onto the dance floor. This is a guy that at least maybe we could get a semblance of what the plan is. Even when, even when Bloom signed Raphael Devers, it didn't even feel like his plan. It just kind of felt like, oh, finally, this will keep him off my back. I, I couldn't even explain it, but the press conference after the signing was weird. This is going to be awesome. was strange. I, I didn't know what the plan was. The Trevor Story thing was kind of That plan was kind of iffy based on what you paid him and his injury, you know, the injuries and the history and having Xander Bogarts on the roster at the time. It just didn't make sense. Maybe this will be the start of a bona fide, legitimate plan that we'll be able to identify and that will, most importantly, pay dividends for this team on the field as we start the new season here. And what's going to be another loaded AL East? There's no reason to think any of those teams are going to go anywhere. They're all good, all of them. You better be good, you better be ready to go, or else you're going to be left in the dust once again. But I'm for this trade overall. Net positive, good job, Craig Breslow. Let's go. Start revving it up. It's not full throttle yet, but this is a move. This is a pawn being moved, and it shows that, hey, I'm willing to do something. We'll see what this prospect is, but this is how some of these teams that have been contenders have gotten some of their best players. Grab a guy before he emerges on the major league level and reap the benefits that the other organization, his previous organization, 
will regret not reaping. That that's what we're hoping for here. You got to hit. That's the hard part. But the first thing is actually making that trade to take that chance. And that's what the Red Sox did. 617-779-7937 is the phone number. I'm Mark Dundare here on WEI until 6. Let's get it trending right now with JT. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Get Boston Sports Original on the go. Wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. We're right back to it. It's Mark Dondero on WEEI. All right, back here on WEI, Mark Dundare with you, 617-779-7937 is the phone number. Happy New Year. Um, a little bit later in the show, we might get to some New Year's resolutions for each team. I have some very specific resolutions that each team needs to accept, embrace, in order to have more prosperity in 2024 in the new year. Let's get to some of the calls. Uh, Z- WEI's own Zeke is on the line. He wants to chime in. Hey, Zeke. Yeah, how you doing, Dundar? You're doing a great job today. I've been listening all day. Thanks, man. Yeah, so I, I want to talk a little bit about Von Grissom. Uh, with the Red Sox, I mean, what a lot of Red Sox players don't, or fans, I should say, don't understand is that this kid is going to come in and contribute right away. This is not one of those high moon prospects where it's like, who's this guy? Like, I've never heard of this guy. He's going to come in, probably play second base. You fill him in there. And, you know, he has some of the numbers within minor league. You know, he's gotten 330 last year in the minor leagues. And he had his debut in 2022, and he's 22 years old. So the kid has a lot of upside. Chris Sale is washed. He's 34 years old. He's obviously going to do probably well in Atlanta with a lot less pressure. One of the best rosters in uh, Major League Baseball. So he's going to be able to, uh, you know, be the fourth or fifth guy over there and probably, you know, get a couple of wins, do really well. Um, but Vaughn Grissom, this kid is, I'm telling you, he's legit. Um, this, this trade is a great uh, it, it's great for the status of, of the Boston Red Sox to be more specific because now you can start getting into the hypotheticals of trading, you know, some of your prospects in York where it's like, okay, you know, you got York, you got a lot of other little infield prospects that you can probably trade for some pitching that are, you know, high within um, young prospects in major league baseball. So that's all I really wanted to say is that this Von Grissom is going to be filthy. You, you heard it here first, that kid is going to be a stud. And it's going to be like uh, Tristan Cassis where, you know, He's going to have the time to really marinate, develop, and really grow with uh, the Red Sox because he has a role. Um, Von Grissom wasn't able to do that for the past two years because, again, the Braves, that roster is absolutely stacked. So uh, it's a win-win situation for both teams. So that's all I really have to say. All right. Thanks for chiming in, Zeke. Great point. I, I think I agree. I mean, at this point, and it sort of feels like the Belichick situation, honestly, and we'll get to that, but 
Chris Sale, it was just done. It was over. You knew what he was. There was no hope for anything in terms of a resurgence or being more healthy. I mean, he's only going to get, it's only going to be harder for him to stay healthy um, going forward. You increasingly felt like you needed him to be the guy, the man. That was not going to happen. And like, like Zeke just said, in Atlanta, you know, they have the ability to take a chance on a guy like Sale because they've had the infrastructure in place there where they can, you know, roll out starting pitchers. They've had good pitching. They've been in the playoffs. They've done everything right. I mean, this is an organization, remember, that in the middle of the year lost arguably your best player to a devastating injury and won the World Series. You know, even though you lost your best player. They know what they're doing down there. They made brilliant moves at the deadline that year. Eddie Rosario, all those different names that they brought in. And now it's another one with Sale. We'll see if it works out for them. And I like it for the Red Sox. You have nothing to lose with this prospect. And again, 22 years old. Not 24, not 25, not Bobby Dahlback coming in at 25 years old. 22 years old. He's still got time. He's had a little bit of experience in the majors. They're still there. You know, he's he's got enough experience to be intrigued, but he's not a proven commodity yet. And hopefully, for the sake of the Red Sox, he becomes that here in Boston. Uh, David in Florida on the sale trade. Hey, David. Hey, good job today. I mean, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say yet that Sale's going to win the Cy Young next year now. But where are they well, going to put this guy? And what's his yeah. best position? What's his best position? The this Well, he's. I mean, he's a middle infielder. They were. He was vying for the starting job at short for the Braves. He could be. I mean, he's an athlete, so I think he'll have some versatility. But he could play in the middle infield. Can he play third base too and move Devers to DH? I mean, I, well, then I where's mean, Yoshida going to play every day? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm sure he's probably got the versatility to do that, but then you're talking about moving other pieces around. Um, that wouldn't be a bad thing if they could get Devers to DH, but you'd have to figure out the rest yeah. of the, the lineup. And, and they all, yeah, and, and they still have a surplus of outfielders that they need to move. And they, I mean, I would love to see them decide on, uh, make a decision between, um, uh, the, the, the Duran and the, the Sedan, what I can't Sedania, what's his name? The, Sedan Raphael. A little bit, yeah, make a decision on one of them because they both seem to be everyday players. And then the, the one that you're not going to go with, package them, package him in a in a big time move, and and go out and get a, a number one starter or to replace Sale uh, that the five year ago Sale because they still need. I mean, uh, a big Brian or. Rayon is not a number one starter yet. No way is he near a number one starter. So, uh, I mean, they need to make a, a big – I mean, this Grisham move, okay, take a chance, but they need to, to, to make a decision on the outfield between Duran and Sedanye and then take the other one and package him and make a big move. Because then you also have the – what's Roman Anthony? Is he an outfielder too? Yeah, uh, let me check. I forget. Yeah, he's an outfielder, I think. So, I mean, they, they have a surplus of outfielders. And they need to decide what they're going to do with that and, and use one of them to make a big trade. But we'll see what happens with Grisham. I mean, yes, finally they got rid of Sale, and we'll see. All it right, is thanks for calling, David. So, yeah, Roman Anthony's an outfielder. And just for a second there with David on the line, did it almost feel like it sounded like he was talking about a team that had a surplus of talent and they're going to have too many guys for the outfield? Is that the team we're talking about right now? Come on, that can't be the Boston Red Sox. I mean, 
that would be ultimately the problem you'd want to have. Jeez, we got all these young, talented studs that can play in the outfield. Who are we going to get? I mean, I'd love to get to that point. That's a good problem to have. We're not there yet. I don't know how they feel. Again, Masataki Yoshida, where's he going to play? You'd think you know his bat was good enough for the most part. You'd want him in the lineup. Doesn't really strike me as a designated hitter type. Um but I don't know. Is he good enough to play in the outfield every day? Is his back going to be good enough to, to justify putting him in the outfield every day? And then how do these other kids come up and play? If they're bats, if they're players that can't be left out of the lineup, again, good problem to have, but you're going to have some decisions. Roman Anthony, Sedan Raffaella. I mean, Duran took all of us by surprise. Or he took me by surprise last year. I didn't think he was going to do that. Jacoby Ellsbury, 2011. Um, but, again... I'll take it. That's a good thing to have. Um, but the bottom line is with this trade, okay, you, sale was done. I was done with him. The best case scenario to me, the best case, was he was going to be a bullpen contributor when last year you had a good bullpen. Um, so I have a little bit of confidence in their bullpen ability, but that was the best case scenario for me in, in regards to Chris Sale. You might as well get rid of Sale and bring in another prospect that maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't, but at least you give it a chance by get, getting rid of a guy that had no chance, in my mind. So that's why I view this as a net positive for the Red Sox. I'm not doing cartwheels in the street, but it's a, it's a better thing that they did this versus had they not done this. Uh, Danny and Cranston, let's talk to Dan. What's the record for calling a show uh, station how many times in a day? Nobody appreciates your loyalty more than me, Dan. <laughs> I wouldn't have called if you weren't on, so there Thank you go. You. Look, I can remember talking to you and Ben on, like, Saturday, like, as soon as this went down, and I said, under the circumstances at the time, it was the worst contract in Boston sports history mm -hmm. to me. Not just Red Sox. Under the circumstances. not The numbers and everything were fine if he was a healthy, productive player. He was already broken down. And the other thing about this is that this is like a Dave Dombrowski-like uh, black eye, but if nobody seems to remember that during that spring training when John Henry was on the bench, he basically said this signing was a makeup for the John Lester mistake. Remember, we don't sign anyone over 30, Correct. let John Lester go. So you take a guy like John Lester who was built like Roger Clemens, who's over 30, that is going to last, and you let him go, and then you take a guy who's like the size of a pencil, like he's transparent from the side, yeah. and you sign him. You know, it's it just it, that's the way I remember. It was the worst contract, and it lived up to the the billing. It was literally the worst contract in in Red Sox history under the circumstances. You know, there've been bad contracts of guys that came in, but you know, you just had damaged goods, and you had no need. He could have played out that whole year, and you could have negotiated with him after the fact, but. You know, it is what it is. But, yeah, it, the net, it, everything you said I agree with, it's a net positive in the long run. But, you know, he wasn't a bad guy. He just couldn't stay healthy. Correct. Have a good day, guys. All right, Go thanks for the call, Dan. Take care. Uh, the, the thing is, Chris Sale, you know, it, it just was – he's right about the whole Lester thing, and I like my aces to have to be horses, and he wasn't that. Um, and, you know, I, I, honestly, it was – if he had just kind of – played that first contract through, and, and that was that, it wouldn't have been a disaster. And Sale is a guy that, if you recall, even back with the White Sox, before he even came here, had an MO of 
breaking down late in the year. September numbers, you know, weren't as good. Couldn't stay healthy. Playoff time didn't really have. That was sort of his mo. It was worth the risk at the time. I would have preferred him a little bit earlier. I remember talking about this in 2016, uh, but it was worth the risk at the time. What I will say is this. You know, we're talking about whether it was a good contract, bad contract. Dan's talking about a bad contract. Yes, it was, and he's absolutely right. But I'll say this. I kind of miss giving a player a bad contract. And what I mean is, at least if you're given a bad contract, you're tr- it feels like you're trying. You're signing guys. You're trying to sign players that could be aces, that could be studs for you, that could take you to where you want to go. That's better than nothing. That's better than silence. Um, so that wasn't good, obviously. And everybody at the time knew it. We all kind of knew it. That's what makes it even worse. It's not like we look back on it and say, that ah, was bad. We all knew it at the time. He wasn't healthy enough. He wasn't, you could tell it wasn't the future is bright for Chris Sale in that moment. And they still gave him the contract and we all knew it right then and there. Um, but you know, those things happen. And unfortunately they've happened a lot recently, um, including the Patriots. I mean, how many of us said at the, you know, when they hired, uh, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge to do offense. How many of us said that that was a bad move at the time? And guess what? It it didn't work out. So you don't like to see that happen when the fans know more than the people running the thing, or at least it appears that way. I'm not saying they do, but if it appears that way, that's a bad situation, especially when you look back on it. Okay, so Red Sox, positive that they made this move. Not a game changer, but the positives are they're up, they're awake, they're make, they're you know they're actually doing stuff. This guy. That is coming in. Vaughn Grissom could be somebody. And the guy that they got rid of wasn't going to be anybody for you anymore. Okay, you appreciate the effort that he put forth. And he tried to become somebody that you could rely on. Always said the right things. It just didn't work. Um, But, you know, again, what I've been saying, the Red Sox, the Patriots. I mean, if you want to throw the Bruins into there, fine. You got to be more like the Boston Celtics you got to be more like the Boston Celtics. And that takes us into our first New Year's resolution. I'll stay with the Red Sox to just finish up this point. You know, the Celtics are doing this. The Celtics have done this. And what the Red Sox need to do in this new year, and maybe this is the start of it, the New Year's resolution for the Red Sox, take a risk. Take risks. Be comfortable taking a risk. Trade a guy that maybe is a little bit uncomfortable to trade. Maybe that was Sale. I don't think it was that uncomfortable to trade Chris Sale. Maybe Craig Breslow felt that way. But the Red Sox need to take risks. Okay? There is no reason that they... If they wanted to buy their way into contention every year, they could do it. At least contention. Now, winning the World Series is obviously a different animal. And I'm not asking for that. And this is what we've been talking about just in totality. None of us are asking for championships every year or to relive the 20-plus years since 2001. We're not asking for that. We just want you to act like the Celtics. Do whatever you can. First of all, before you do whatever you can, have the team that you're owning be the number one priority. So let me feel like the top team, or or let me feel like your team that you own in the city that I root for, you know, the teams. That's the priority. That's the first thing. Okay, so in terms of the Patriots, I feel that. So that's number one. Good. Now, are they going to make other mistakes? Probably. Will Robert Kraft make a mistake in how he handles his Bill Belichick situation? Maybe. But at least it feels like he is the, you know, the Patriots are his top priority. 
the top priority. It doesn't feel that way with the Red Sox. Not yet. Not right now. Shouldn't say not yet. Not right now. Used to. Doesn't right now. John Henry's too diversified. He's got other owners, you know, interests, and he owns other stuff. And I don't feel like the Red Sox are his top priority. That's a problem. Okay, then if it becomes the Red Sox are your top priority, you got to do whatever it takes to win. That's where the Patriots fall short. The Celtics, they check every box. But getting back to the resolution for the Red Sox, just take a risk. Start with that. I mean, Craig Breslow has said that the financial restrictions aren't a thing. He has no financial limitations. He can do whatever he wants. He can spend whatever he wants. So do it. Go spend. Or at least if if you have financial limitations, don't say, I don't have any financial limitations. You know, plead the fifth or or defer the question in in another way. Don't say that and then not go out there and spend. Because the Red Sox should be in contention every year based on their finances and and where they are in terms of being a big market team. That's what we see the Dodgers do. I mean, we sort of see the Yankees do that, even though they've screwed up. It's not perfect. At least they're trying. And they're still trying because they just got Juan Soto and we all know what's going on. So take risks. If you have to trade some of the, we just talked about the potential of having too many good outfielders, which would be a great problem to have, but trade some of them, trade some of those guys for a pitcher. A guy that I didn't even know was available. Go find that guy. You know, drop my jaw to the floor. That's what I want to see the Red Sox do. Get back into relevancy and figure out a way to get into position to then use some of these lower-level players or whatever it is to put you over the top, and you'll figure that out later. Just get back into contention first, and they should have the resources to do that. The Celtics are doing everything that we want every team in the city to do. Completely focused on the goal, top priority, and doing whatever it takes. Taking risks. You don't think the Marcus Smart trade was a risk? That was the best, you know, that was the longest tenured Celtic. He was arguably your best defender. The heart and soul of the team, you know, all those things existed with Marcus Smart. And they traded him. And they traded him for a guy that has an injury history. And that had kind of flamed out in a few other spots. And now I'm, I mean, I didn't follow Chris Dapps Porzingis to a T. And now I'm watching this guy. I'm listening to this guy. There's not a thing about him I don't like. We'll see how healthy he can remain. That's the big question mark. I feel like he has savage tendencies. He's not afraid of the big moment. He's a physical presence despite being not the biggest, you know, bulkiest guy. He's got great, obviously great height. Might be the best shot blocker at the rim in the league. Gets along with all of his teammates. Locker room guy. I mean, this is going to be the big re- This guy is going to be arguably the biggest reason that the Celtics get over the top. Arguably. We'll see how it plays out. But this guy's a stud. Stud. Home run. I mean, Marcus Smart, with all respect to Marcus Smart, I liked Marcus Smart a lot, but this, there's nothing even close to this in regards to Marcus Smart if this guy's going to be healthy. For crying out loud, it was, a, it was a steal. So I'm excited about this. Okay. 617-779-7937 is the phone number. When we get back, I have a very specific question about Derek White. And I want to talk about Derek White and the Celtics and the prospect of them 
using Derek White and his skills to take them to the next level. But I have a question. I'm going to ask Justin that question, and I'm going to answer the question, too, on Derek White. I'm Mark Dondero with you on WEI. From the Rubenstein Law Studios, 1-800-BOS-LEGAL. This is WEI. We're back. It's Mark Dondero on WEI. Download the Odyssey app and listen on demand anytime. All right, back here on WEI, Mark Dundero, 617-779-7937. If you want to jump in on this Chris Sale trade, um, Bill Belichick, Celtics, all on the table. Uh, this is a tweet from Pete Abraham. The Red Sox used 44 players in 2018. Rafael Devers is now the only one still in the organization. That's pretty impressive. I mean, that's that's an incredible stat. Uh, but, I, you know, again, Sale just wasn't going to happen. The body failed him year in and year out. You always thought or hoped you'd get more out of him, and you never did. And now we have a player that could be something, might not be, but it's worth the chance. And I think this sale was, I mean, this trade was a net positive. Now, is it a game changer? No. But um, you had to start somewhere, and I think it does add some value to the situation for the Red Sox. Now, let's talk about a real game changer. Justin, I'm so high on Derek White. Derek White, to me, um, I'm reevaluating my entire existence surrounding Derek White and his his abilities as an NBA basketball player. Here's a question I have, Justin, and I'll answer this question, uh, but I want you to chime in. You've covered the team. You've done a great job covering the team. Uh, and you can follow Justin on Twitter. I just want to make sure I get it right, at Justin M. Turpin. That is correct, yes. Follow him, WEI Celtics coverage. Uh, great job. Let me ask you this question. On the surface, off the top of your head, JT, what does Derek White not do well? What are his weaknesses? He really doesn't have any. Like, I was looking at it the other day, and, like, it's it's actually incredible. I want to read you these stats I found last night. This will just blow your mind. In a clutch situation, which is defined by any game within five points within the final minute, five minutes, he is a plus 45. His plus 45 is fifth best in the NBA, and the only guard that he trails is Damian Lillard. That's just insane how good he is in the clutch. He's shooting 55.6% from the field and 50% from three, and he's 37 points in the clutch. I mean, it's just insane. Like, whenever they need a big play, he makes them. And on the defensive end, uh, seven straight games with at least two blocks. The only other guard, first guard to do that since Michael Jordan. He's in the same conversation as Michael Jordan in these stats. I mean, when you look at them, it's just insane. Like, he's such a dominant two-way player. And it's just a shame that he doesn't get the league-wide recognition that he deserves. Well, he's, okay, the one thing, if I'm going to answer the question honestly, and it doesn't really matter, like this answer doesn't actually, shouldn't really impact him too much, but if you wanted a, an honest assessment, what does he not do well, or what does he not, he, I, I would, I guess, argue he's not a special athlete. Is that fair? He's not an explosive, jump-out-of-the-gym type of athlete. Yeah, I guess he doesn't necessarily jump out of the gym, but he's still like athletic. He's quick, quick hands, obviously, with yeah. all the steals and blocks he recorded. It's like he can, he still moves. I guess he doesn't jump out the gym necessarily, but I mean, it's not that big I mean, of a I'm, deal. I'm reaching. I, because I'm, you, when you watch, and I appreciate the stats, and you know, I'm like, the stats could be relevant, but I, I could also look at stats and say, well, you know, you could, you could maneuver stats to fit whatever For sure. argument you're trying to make. But I'm watching him, and I'm, I'm, you know, 
he's number one he's durable feels like he's always out there he can shoot the ball he can dribble the ball he can handle the ball he passes well he sees the floor he makes good decisions he's clutch he hits big shots he shoots from the outside he could go to the rim he can attack the basket he defends he can defend on the ball he blocks shots i mean he doesn't rebound a ton i bet he doesn't have i bet if you asked him to he could i just don't watching him i just don't know where he 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 does anything that's poor. Maybe he's not great, great at anything, elite, top of the league at anything. But he does, it seems like he does everything well. And with that being the case, I mean, I, look, I hate that this is going to sound like I'm trashing Jalen Brown or I'm tired. But I, I think right now um, Derek White is better than Jalen Brown right now overall. I think he's better than Jalen Brown. Am I wrong? Tell me if I'm wrong. I think it's tough to argue. I would, I would, I would honestly agree with you right now that Derek White is the most impactful player in the Celtics. I guess it depends on how you look at it, right? It's like if you're looking at it, if he's better than Jalen Brown, I don't quite know. But if you're looking at in terms of impact, Derek White is certainly the most impactful player on this team. He he's going to be. I, I you know part of this has to do with the Marcus Smart trade. I think he's been <clears throat> unleashed. Is that a way of saying it? I mean, yeah, I think I'll that's fair. That way. Like, like I mentioned, the clutch numbers, like he wasn't in in those moments last year because they went to Marcus Smart instead. And now just like he has the ball in his hands more and he's the true point guard now. Drew Holiday kind of plays everywhere and he's starting to find out his offensive rhythm. But like took him a little bit like he's more valuable on the defensive end, whereas Derek White kind of he's the maestro of this offense and he's done a great job. And I'll give you another thing on Derek White, too. Unbelievable locker room guy, teammate. Like he doesn't, you know, like I would trust him with my dog, you know, just take care of things for you know he's just anything you need him to do i feel like he's willing to do he he's we always hear belichick talk about the perfect player i feel like for this celtics team he's basically that he's like the perfect player um and we you know we talked about jalen brown let me just say this about jalen brown because I've, I've been on him in critical moments and in, in clutch moments i don't think he's that good last night i thought he was good last night now again you're down a bunch of guys. You're playing the Raptors. Raptors aren't that good. But last night, he had, with the Celtics down three, 2.15 or so to go, takes it to the rim, gets the layup to go. Nice field goal, big bucket, needed to have it, and he converted. Then, obviously, the lob to Luke Cornett was a great play, great vision. He was under control, and he made a good play, good decision, and executed, and they got the bucket, and they ended up winning the game. So that's I want to be fair, and that was Jalen Brown, in a critical time, in a, in a clutch, whatever, winning time, coming through and getting the big uh, assist and the big bucket. So credit to Jalen Brown there. It's just a matter of, you know, I still think, JT, and we could take this into the next hour, that is going to be, well, before I get to that, let me just say one more thing about these other two games. The thing I liked about these last two games specifically um you know, I was wondering if the Celtics, yes, they win a lot of games. They have talent. They're going to win a lot of games. But winning a lot of games and having a winning DNA is a different thing. Okay? And I think in order to win a championship, we've seen a lot of them up these way, this part, these these parts this way. You need to have a winning DNA to help get you over the hump sometimes when you're going through the playoffs, when you're trying to win a championship. That's what Brady always did. That's what some of those Red Sox teams did. The 08 Celtics. I think the last two nights, not the greatest opponents, obviously, but I think those wins 
do something to add to whatever you want to call a winning DNA. They found ways when their back was against the wall, when they were down 18, and they had all this pressure because this team had lost 27 straight games. The Celtics found a way to win. Now, again, not the best team in the league, but I'm sorry, they're doing pretty well against the best teams in the league when they've been going up against them. They're fine. So I like the fact that they're finding ways to win in situations that might be not in their best, you know, a little bit of adversity, some stuff that goes against them, and they're still finding ways to win. That adds to a winning DNA or that, what's the word I'm looking for here, Um, creates a winning DNA. And now we have two wins back-to-back. It's small. It's not going to, you know, make them championship ready right now. But I think wins like what we just saw the last two nights make that winning DNA more of a thing for this team, which to me is the biggest missing piece as we go down the stretch here. And not down the stretch yet, but as we get, you know, we creep towards the all-star break and then we get into the second half of the season. Those are going to be the big questions that I need answered because I still see, you know, overtimes where Jason Tatum doesn't have a field goal. Now they have the help now. They have Kristaps Porzingis and Derek White who can do it all. But I'd like to see the best player, who is Jason Tatum, able to make a field goal in overtime. Or, hey, if you don't want to go to overtime, make the jumper that would end the game in regulation that you missed again the other night. I'm nitpicking. I get it. But I'm not going to go. You know, Jason Tatum has been awesome, too. I love what his game's evolved into. He's doing everything. The post-up game's lethal. Post-up game. He, he's. I mean, he, he defends really well. Um he, he's doing everything. I'm not here to, to get on Tatum. I'm just saying, we're, if, if we're nitpicking, they haven't gotten over the hump yet. I just want to know if there is something to con- be concerned about. Once again, Tatum was scoreless in an overtime, and now they're 1-3 in overtime. So it's not like they're killing it if they have to go to an overtime. Those situations are different, and I want to make sure they're just as capable of winning if they're not in complete control of the game, and if, they're, if their talent doesn't allow them to, you know, just massage a 12-point lead, a 14-point lead for the entire, you know, first through third quarter, how can they handle a game where they have some adversity to deal with? They did it in these last two. I think that's a great sign. Okay, so we'll see what happens after that. Um, But the end-of-game scenarios is going to remain a thing, and it's going to remain a thing until we get to, you know, the next level. And then until we get to the playoffs and the games that really matter, I'm going to tell you another thing that I think is a big symptom of why they're going to be more successful this year in the playoffs and why they're going to get to the finals. We'll get into that, 617-779-7937. And I will also tell you what the Celtics' New Year's resolution needs to be when we get back. Mark Dundara with you here on WEI. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.